Scripture reading is from Galatians 6, 1-2. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Good evening, and welcome again to our worship service. We're very grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking tonight at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and also verse 10. Before we do so, we want to welcome those who are visiting. As always, you are an honored guest. We encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We are very appreciative to our young people for going out, raking leaves today. We're very thankful for their willingness to go and to serve and to, to help others. And I think about what was said of Jesus in Acts chapter 10 at verse 38, that he went about doing good, and that's what we seek to do. And we're very proud of them. We're also thankful for the young men who are willing to participate in our worship services. And I think they set a great example, and so we have just a lot of very fine young men and women and we are thankful for the hope that we have before us in the fact that they are striving to live as a Christian and that they are striving to set the right kind of example because one day they'll be the future leaders of the church of our Lord. Tonight as we look at Galatians chapter 6, we're going to be talking about marks of a servant. What does it mean to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? When Peter penned his epistle almost 2,000 years ago, he talked about how Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Jesus, as you know, humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 in that same context that he took the form of a servant. Since Jesus came to serve the human family, it would only stand to reason that we would look at him as a model for our behavior today as the people of God. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 at verse 5, he said, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for his sake. Paul understood the concept of servanthood. And those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we too must come to understand and appreciate the importance of being a servant. Well, what does it mean to be a servant? There are two things I want to share with you tonight as we look at Galatians 6. And as we contemplate the theme, the marks of a servant. The first priority set forth by Paul, is to restore the disorderly. And really what Paul is talking about here is that those of us who are faithful members of the body of Christ, that we do everything within our power to reach out and to convert the apostate. An apostate is somebody who has gone out. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 2 at verse 15, Peter talks about those who have forsaken the right way. And so at some point in time, they made the decision to abandon the principles of New Testament Christianity. And so you and I, as the people of God, we have the responsibility to restore the disorderly. That is to convert 
the apostate, those who have gone back into a life of sin. You can read in the New Testament of individuals who abandoned the faith, men like Hymenaeus, Alexander, Philetus, Demas, to name a few. Individuals who at one time had been faithful members of the body of Christ only to leave the Lord and to borrow the words of the Apostle Peter to forsake the right way. Well, let's talk for just a moment about the road leading away from God. When you think about serving God, it's really a a two-way street. And the first thing we want to talk about is this road leading away from God. Unfortunately, as is the case, sometimes individuals make the decision to abandon the faith, to forsake what they know to be right and true. I want to suggest that the road that leads away from God begins with what we might call a detachment from the spiritual or from spiritual things. And as we think about this, let me just, let me just suggest that what, what occurs is people forsake spiritual activities. Now, there are two possibilities when it comes to our spiritual lives. We can either neglect our spiritual life or we can nurture our spiritual life. What we want to do is nurture it. We want to try to do everything that we can to build up the inner man, to strengthen this inner man that, that we know and read about in the Bible. Well, what about those who are detached from the spiritual? There are really three things that, that I think happens in the lives of people who become unfaithful, who detach themselves from the spiritual. First of all, they begin forsaking their worship to God. Now, I understand we're talking about a lesson that probably ought to be, well, we're talking about a point that probably ought to be impressed upon people on Sunday morning because typically the ones that that need to hear this aren't here on Sunday night. But sometimes people will drift in and out. But nonetheless, what does it mean to be detached from the spiritual? Well, first and foremost, people begin to neglect their worship to God. And I really think that one one of the problems is we fail to understand what worship is about. The word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. And so you and I, as the people of God, we have the opportunity to pay God the homage or the reverence that he is due because he is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our redeemer. He is the one who reconciles us. And so we have this great relationship that has been afforded us through the sending of Jesus Christ. And so what we want to do is make sure that we pay God homage on a regular basis. You remember Jesus said in John 4, 24, God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In verse 23, he said, speaking of God the Father, the Father seeks such to worship him. God is interested in our worship. I think sometimes we miss that. God is interested in people worshiping him, in bowing before him, in prostration. And then also... I'm reminded of the words of the psalmist in Psalm 95 at verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so, unfortunately, there are people in the body of Christ who do not take seriously 
their worship to God. They neglect that worship. Maybe they're here on Sunday morning. Maybe they're not back on Sunday night. Then maybe they come on Wednesday night. And then maybe they miss the following Sunday morning. And it's just a pattern. It's a habit. And once you get into that habit, it's hard to get out. And so detachment from the spiritual, it begins by forsaking our worship to God. A second thing. And this has to do with forsaking the Word of God. If you close the Word of God in your spiritual life, you're headed for trouble. I can promise you that. Think for a moment about how how necessary it is for us to take in the right kind of physical diet. We want we want to make sure that 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 we eat regularly. And I don't know of any of us that that miss a meal on a regular basis. Well, here's what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What we have to do is feed on the word of God. Now, when people begin having when people begin to focus on worldly things and things that are carnal in nature to the neglect of God's word, something is going to suffer. And first and foremost, it's going to be their spiritual life. How much time do you spend reading and studying and meditating on the truth of God? If if you're not spending a portion of each day reading this book and trying to understand the contents of what we call the Bible, you're headed for trouble. Because ultimately, you are detaching yourself from that which provides nutrition to your spiritual life. Think about what Peter said. As a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. There are, there are parents in our society that have neglected feeding their children. And as a result of that, they have gotten in trouble with the law because their children are malnourished malnourished spiritually speaking if we're not feeding on the word of God then we become malnourished now Peter said grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and so as we think about this idea of being detached from the spiritual it begins by forsaking our worship to God and then there is the forsaking of the word of God and then finally the forsaking of the work of God and really there is a correlation between all of these points. Individuals who are not interested in worshiping God on a regular basis are not going to be interested in studying the Word of God. And you know if they're not interested in worship or in the Word, they're not going to be interested in being involved in the work of God. Now let me just make this observation. There are are things that are necessary for the work of the church to, to exist. One example would be our worship service. There are certain responsibilities that are entrusted to those of us who participate in worship. And when those responsibilities are delegated, we need to, we need to make sure that we're present to fulfill those duties. When, when somebody is assigned 
to lead public prayer or to read the scripture or to wait on the Lord's table. Surely we want to be responsible enough to make sure that we're here to do that. If there is a detachment in your life with regard to the spiritual, it's going to be reflected in how, in how you either, either come or absent yourself from worship. It's going to be reflected in whether or not you're reading the Word of God, and it's going to be reflected in your work for the cause of Christ. Now, it's a shame when people have responsibilities and they do not fulfill their responsibilities. I've seen guys that have the responsibility of making sure everybody is ready to go for worship on Sunday morning or Sunday night. And you know what? Sometimes they can't find the people that are supposed to be serving. Now, where are they? What would you think if I didn't show up on Sunday night? What do you think if I didn't show up on Sunday morning? Now, somebody says, well, that's your job. Well, it is. But, but the point is, I have a responsibility. It is my responsibility to be in this pulpit every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, to be in the classroom every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. If we have a responsibility, we need to be the kind of people that are going to fulfill those responsibilities. So, a detachment from the spiritual. But then, a detachment from the spiritual leads to a development of the sinful. And again, there's a correlation here. When you become detached from spiritual things overall, what's going to happen is, you're going to develop some habits that are unbecoming of a member of the body of Christ and ultimately that relationship that you enjoy with God is going to become severed. How so? Well, first of all, what typically happens is people begin sliding into a life of sin. Now, when, when we talk about somebody who apostatizes from the faith or leaves the faith, it's not something, I don't think it's something that just occurs overnight. It's not like we go to bed tonight thinking, well, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to be an unfaithful child of God. It is a process. And what happens is there are a series of, of choices that we make in life that lead to, a, to the development of a life of sin. And so we, we, first of all, we, we slide into a life of sin. Let me give you an example of this. In Luke 15, we read about the prodigal son who asked his father for his inheritance. And the father granted that wish. And the Bible says not many days after, he gathered all together and took a journey into a far country. Mistake number one. He went out into that far country, and as you well know, as Jesus narrated this particular parable, he wasted his substance, that which had been entrusted into his care, he wasted it on profligate or riotous living. He went out and blew everything that his father had entrusted into him. Well, what do you see there? You see somebody who is sliding into a life of sin. He went out and started indulging in things that he had no business doing. So it was a process. And then what happens ultimately is we go from sliding into a life of sin to being submerged in a life of sin. There are people today, and there are, there are people in the body of Christ, sadly, 
who, had, who have been baptized into Christ, they have left the Lord and they are so submerged in a life of sin, one can only wonder whether or not they can be reached. Now in Luke 15, you read about the prodigal son who went into that far country, wasted his substance on riotous living. And the Bible talks about how he ultimately hit rock bottom. And so Jesus said, when he came to himself. Well, thank God he came to himself. But he was head over heels in a life of sin. And so if you become detached from the spiritual, what's going to happen is you're going to develop a life of sin. So we talk about this road that leads away from God. What about the road that leads back to God? Is it possible for me to find my way back home? The prodigal son did. The Bible says he came to himself. Well, how would it be possible for me to find my way back? Well, let's look at Galatians chapter 6. We talk about restoring the disorderly. The first thing that we have to do as a servant of Almighty God, when we know somebody has become unfaithful, we have to go and try to convert the turncoat. And really that's what an apostate is. They are a turncoat. They are a wayward member of the body of Christ. They are unfaithful. Now, look at what Paul said. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, here is somebody who has become submerged in a life of sin. And as a child of God, as a faithful member of the body of Christ, I know about that. What's Paul, say, what's Paul saying here is my responsibility? Restore him. Restore her. Reach out to them. Try to what? Try to convert them. Try to bring them back home. Now in James chapter 5 verse 19, James said, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders or errs from the truth, let him know that he who converts a sinner from the error of his way. That's what happens when a person becomes apostate. When they go back into the world, they have to be reconverted. I'm not saying they have to be rebaptized, but there has to be a conversion process. There has to be a change of mind that leads to repentance. As Paul said, godly sorrow leads to repentance. That's what has to take place. And so there has to be this conversion process. And then also, well, let me just share this with you. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, Paul talks about how those of us who are faithful children of God, when we reach out to the erring, to those who have wandered away from the truth, we correct them. Well, that's the idea. We're trying to convert. We're trying to lead them back home. And so there is the conversion of the turncoat and then the character of the teacher. You see, there are some things that I have a responsibility to implement in my life in order to bring about the conversion of a disorderly member of the body of Christ. So listen to what Paul said, brethren. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that as a child of God, 
There is a certain demeanor that I need to bring to the table when I sit down with somebody who has apostatized from the faith. I need to have a gentle, a meek spirit. Meekness is really strength under control. Over in 2 Timothy, I cited just a moment ago, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And Paul said, the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be able to teach patient. And then he said, in humility, correcting those who oppose themselves. If peradventure God will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him to do his will. There are certain traits that I need to bring to the table in this conversion process. I don't have to go whip somebody. They're already down. They know many times when you start talking to somebody who has apostatized from the faith, they know what they've done. Now, it may be the case that they don't. And we have to enlighten them from the word of God, but we can still do it with a spirit of gentleness, in humility, we can do it in the right way. Paul talks about speaking the truth in love. I talked to a gentleman some time back that had been a faithful gospel preacher and got his life all messed up, left the church, left his family, and stayed out of the church for many, many years. And when he was restored, he said that it was because of the people he was dealing with in this restoration process, it was because of their attitude and the way they handled it that helped him come to his senses. He said, I could have gone either way, but they, had, they were kind and compassionate they were gentle, and in that, in that process led to the restoration of his soul. He's now faithful and preaching again. But look also at what Paul said. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Let's, see, let's just say that there's somebody out here that's become unfaithful to the body of Christ. We know what they've done. They've gone out and they've committed some kind of spiritual adultery. But is there unfaithful to the body of Christ? And so we go and talk to them and we, we sit down and we look at them and we say, well, I'll tell you one thing, that never happened to me. Well, how do, how do we know that? Paul said, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Here's what Paul also said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, if any man thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. We don't need to have this elder brother complex that says, listen, it's not going to happen to me. I'm above that. We don't know that. But by the grace of God, it could have been us. What we want to do is make sure that our spiritual lives are intact, that we are faithful to the Lord. And if somebody is unfaithful, we want to take the right approach in restoring them back to the Lord. Now, does that mean that we, we need to make concessions and compromise the truth of Almighty God? Absolutely not. 
Never is there any place for compromise when it comes to truth. But there is, there is the need to have the right attitude in talking to people who have become unfaithful, wayward members of the body of Christ. And really, when you read over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, when Paul talks about withdrawing yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly, the word disorderly is a military term. It means to break rank, and that's what's happened. They have broken rank. And so what we're trying to do is get them back in step, get them back in harmony with the will of God. And so there is the conversion of the turncoat and the characteristics or the character of the teacher. It takes both in order for this process to work. Now let me just make this observation before we close. It may be the case that you know somebody tonight who at one time was faithful to the Lord. They're not here tonight. They weren't here this morning. They haven't been here in a long You know somebody that's not faithful. Why not pick up the telephone? Why not send them a card and then pick up the telephone? Or go make a visit? Why not talk to them about their spiritual life? God is interested in people who have become unfaithful. You see, Peter wrote, God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 9. All right. Secondly, a second mark of servanthood. First of all, we are to restore the disorderly, but secondly, we are to relieve the burdened. And that is, we are to care for the afflicted. There are certain things that God wants us to do as his people. And so in verse 2, Here's what Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. <clears throat> we can begin, <clears throat> excuse me, we can begin by comforting the burdened. Those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we are in essence burden bearers. Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In the book of Job, you read about the trials and the adversities that he experienced in his life. And I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that I've ever known anyone on this planet that has, that has faced the losses and the, the human suffering and misery that this man did. There may be other people out in the world that have, that have met similar fates in life, but this man suffered greatly. He lost 10 children. He lost his wealth, a great deal of his wealth. He lost his own health. His own wife turned on him and said, curse God and die. Well, in chapter 2, we read about the three friends of Job. And the Bible says that they made an appointment together to come and to mourn with him and to comfort him. Is that not what Christianity is about? We are bound together as members of the body. We are people of like precious faith, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We enjoy fellowship with one another based on Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We have fellowship vertically with God, horizontally with one another. 
And as a result of that, we have the privilege of comforting the burdened. Look at the life of Jesus. Ever thought about how Jesus sought to comfort others? I said just a moment ago that in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it was said of Jesus that he went about doing good. One of the things that he did was he reached out and tried to provide comfort to the burdened. There were a lot of people he met in, in, his, in his three and a half years of ministry here upon this earth. And in that short tenure here upon planet earth, he had the opportunity, the privilege to comfort the burden. Now Paul said in Romans 12 verse 15 that we are to weep with those that weep. To rejoice with those that rejoice. When people are facing illness and disease. When they're discouraged. When they're down. When they've lost their job. When they're facing financial adversity. When they've lost a loved one. Do we not have the privilege of trying to, to help those members of the body of Christ to alleviate to some extent their sorrows. In John chapter 11 when you read about the death of Lazarus. You read about a host of Jewish people that had come together to mourn with Mary and Martha. And so you and I as God's people we have the opportunity to care for the afflicted. We can comfort the burdened. But then also we can have compassion on the burdened. In Mark chapter 1 we read about a leper who came to Jesus and lepers were outcast. They had to cry out, unclean, unclean. They were social outcast. And there were certainly ceremonial provisions set forth in the law dealing with those who had the plague of leprosy. But nonetheless... Here was a man that came to Jesus and the Bible says that he knelt before Jesus imploring him and saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Mark said in verse 41 of chapter 1 that Jesus, being moved with compassion, said, I will be made clean. What did Jesus do? He had compassion on this man. When Paul said, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, it means that we as God's people ought to be compassionate of one another. We talk about sympathizing and empathizing with people. There are times in life when I can sympathize with the miseries and the difficulties of another person. And then there are times in life when maybe I have encountered similar adversities and so I can empathize with a fellow member of the body of Christ. I know what that person is going through. Well, there are times in life when we need to have some compassion. In Hebrews chapter 4 at verse 15, the Bible talks about how Jesus, as our great high priest, was compassionate. And we need to have compassion. Paul talks about bearing one, another, one another's burdens. It's only when we reach out to help others that we become like Jesus. Well, and I guess we could also include when we reach out to those who are lost in sin, we become like Jesus. Why? Because those are marks of a servant. And so we are to, first of all, according to 
the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6, we are to reach out and be a burden bearer. But then also, we are to be benevolent. What does it mean to be benevolent? Look at verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. When we talk about being benevolent, we're talking about being charitable. Taking things that we have that have been entrusted into our care and using them for the good of others. An example of this would be found in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus talks about that final day of judgment. And he said he would turn to those on the right hand and say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry. And what did you do? He said, You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And what did you do? You gave me something to drink. I was naked. And you clothed me. I was a stranger. And you took me in. I was sick and imprisoned. And what did you do? He said, You visited me. Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it unto one of these least of my brethren, you did it unto me. Benevolence. James said in James 1.27 that pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. I'm not talking about just paying them a visit. It's good to make house calls and visit people. But he's talking about rendering aid to those people. Trying to, to, to help them from a financial perspective or trying to help them with the necessary components of life. To be charitable. Solomon talks about those who oppress the poor. He said reproach their maker. But those who Honor God, he said, they care for the needy. You and I, if we want to really be a servant, what are we going to do? Well, we're, we're going to be burden bearers. We're going to bear the burdens of others, but we're going to be benevolent. We're going to reach out and try to help people. Now, listen again to what Paul said. Therefore, as we have opportunity, there are opportunities for us to help others. I know that there are, there are people out here that are running scams. I understand that. I, you wouldn't believe some of the things I've seen just being at the church building on a regular basis. Many times it's the same story, just a different face. I'm not talking about people that are running a scam. I'm talking about people who have legitimate needs. And Paul is saying as a child of God, when those opportunities arise and we can step up and alleviate their burdens, we ought to do that. We want to be helpful to them because that's what being a child of God is all about. In closing, let me ask this question. Are you the kind of servant that Jesus is looking for? I said at the onset of our lesson that Peter wrote, Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Are you following in the footsteps of the servant, Jesus? It begins by obeying the gospel. By coming to the realization that without Christ, you're lost and dying in sin. 
That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe Jesus is the son of God? Would you be willing to repent, to turn from a life of sin, to give up a life of sin? To confess his name before others and to be baptized or immersed in water for the remission of your sins as Peter instructed on Pentecost Day as recorded by Luke in Acts 2 verse 38. If you do that, the Bible says God will add you to the church, Acts 2.47. And you have to be in the church because the church is the community of the saved. That's where the redeemed reside, Ephesians 5 verse 23. Maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're not faithful. We talked a moment ago about those who walk disorderly. Maybe you're not what you ought to be and you know that. Here's what you need to do. The Bible says... Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We have the privilege to pray with you and for you. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come tonight as we stand and sing?